You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome to 3 a.m., where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. I'm one of your hosts, Sean Gassaway. What's the scariest story you have? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3 a.m. is the result of asking that question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, and personal experience, the validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. Yo. What's good? Finna start this night? What's up out there? Yo, what's good? What it do? What it be, what it do? How do we open? Where's that jar? <laughs> <laughs> what it be, what it... Uh, Where that jar is. DJ, do you want to do the honors? What's up out there? In listener land. What's oh, good? <laughs> we did that. <laughs> I say that a lot, and it pisses me off when I hear it. <laughs> really? Yeah. I just hate the way I sound. That's everyone, but like everyone hates the way I sound. (laughs) (laughs) Accurate. All right. So starting off with (laughs) the jar where we pick a question that one of us has written. The question is, in a zombie apocalypse, what would be your weapon of choice? An authentic katana. No, no, no. Samurai sword. Is it because you're from the Orient? (laughs) (laughs) Straight up. (laughs) It's definitely a part of it because I'm Japanese, but also, like, if you had an authentic one, that thing is not going to dull. You'll look like a badass. There's a video out there of people using a katana in some dojo, and if you don't know how to use it, it doesn't work. Like, they gave a bunch of white belts a katana to slice through, like, a bunch of bamboo poles stacked on top of each other and they couldn't cut it. Like it was like 10 people tried and then like the black belt sensei, Butter. whoever. Yeah, dude, right through easy. What the? So there's like, okay, maybe I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, you're just like blunt force trauma to the b- zombies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, ting, ting, ting off his skull. Nah, that's, that, that's getting all technical though. Katana's good. Everyone would say Katana though. Everyone says katana. I That's not a bad thing. It's let's take the katana weapon. and the AR AR fifteen off the table. Let's say like things you have in your home right now. A katana. A katana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sick. <laughs> um brass knuckles. Uh machete. I I have a crowbar. I'd use that because it's steel. It's not gonna break. Okay. True. All right, and true. then you get you get one item from not, not your shields. house. <laughs> what am I thinking of? Cabela's. You get one item from Cabela's. If you don't know what that is, it's like a hunting big old hunting store. Hunting sports. <laughs> okay, one item from there. Mm, I would take a really good mountain bike. Hmm. Like a really good mountain bike. What would you guys take? 
Does does that include ammo or just the one item? Ammo. You get ammo if you okay. get a gun. You get ammo with it. <laughs> okay. Um, I changed mine. Compound bow. Ooh. And one arrow. Ten. Ten arrows. Ten arrows. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Unlimited arrows. <laughs> that's what I. That's what I'm talking about. You're all eleven. <laughs> Unlimited ammo. That is what I'm talking about. I'd probably take the statue of Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, here zombies are afraid of that. Because Abraham Lincoln vampire. Oh, it's vampire. Sorry. Well, he did the vampire, so <laughs> yeah. zombies are easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What is that? You ever seen that movie? <laughs> What's it called? Abraham Lincoln vampire, vampire slayer? slayer or vampire hunter. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Came out like three years ago, four years ago. Sounds, I, I remember like hearing about it, but I don't think I ever watched I it. I haven't seen it. It was surprisingly good. Damn, we should watch it. Based on a true story, though. Yep. Abraham Lincoln. Are you guys going to answer like what you would actually take? A single oh. pistol with a single shot so I could shoot myself. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> and a baseball bat to bash my head in. Um, I would get a... Does Cabela's sell Uzis? Probably like in the back. <laughs> you Behind ask, the counter. If you ask the right guy. Yeah. Now you flip the countertops over. It's underneath. <laughs> it's like in the men in black where he's like. Psh, yeah. Oh, the cricket. That's what I take. Oh, <laughs> oh Thor's hammer. Thor's, Thor's hammer. <laughs> Shout out Will Smith and Chris. Hemsworth. Angel. <laughs> We're a bunch of freaks. So you want an Uzi? Yeah, dude. Straight across. All headshots. <laughs> Not one bullet has missed either. I feel you. I'm Damn, so good at it. Bro. Get them all in a line. Yeah. Just like Call of Duty zombies. Oh, I want that waffler, bro. Yo, yeah, my brother was top 500 in the world for zombies at one point. I've never been top 500 Shout out. in the world for no anything. <laughs> so, big up. I'd also just like to say that my dad is a terrible person. Oh, okay. So he went to the hospital today and they just got back and my mom was like, she texted, she's like, dad's going to actually be the one to text and tell you guys what's going on. And so he texted and he's like, I thought about saying that I would see you in heaven, but just not yet. It's just like an infection. I was like, oh my gosh. This is just now? This is just now. He just texted you? I've been... Like, keeping up on it all day, seeing what would happen. <laughs> well, uh, congrats for not losing your father, but that's a savage joke. Yeah, I know. That's hilarious. That's something I would do. <laughs> I would say sorry, but Sean's been chipper ever since I got here. <laughs> it's true. Uh, that's how I, it's my coping mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> Just dad's in the hospital. Yes. <laughs> Hi. I'm stoked. <laughs> what the hell's the matter with you, Sean? <laughs> all of us that's why we made this podcast (laughs) speaking of my name's charlie i'm dj and i'm sean jordan's not here he might show up later he's not here with us he has passed (laughs) yeah he died uh this is the 3 a.m podcast anybody got a story to kick it off should we ask that who has a story should we (laughs) just say do you guys have a story because that's what we do when you come (laughs) (laughs) it's uh I don't know. Uh, how should we decide? Should we like do Rochambeau or something? Let the fates decide? Maybe we should roll a D20. Oh. 
Sean, go get one. I know you strap. I have one Hang too. On one moment. Sure, I have. I have my, mine too. My metal one. <laughs> Give me a second. All, let's all get ours. <laughs> okay. Is it the highest or lowest? Who goes first? I say the highest has the honor of going first. All right, so we just had the idea. See who goes first. So we went, all ran to our separate bags and got our <laughs> D&D dice that we always keep on us. Uh, and we're going to roll. Whoever gets the highest goes first. So well, let's roll all at once. Roll our D- 20-sided die. Let fate decide. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you're needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, We want to hook you up. Um, by getting it off your chest uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet, uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash 3am. I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone you cared about was abducted, taken from you? Would you call me? Would you care about how I got them back? Download American Vigilante now. Okay, on the count of three. One, two, three. Oh, I go first. Okay, I got a 13. DJ got a 10. Sean got a nine. All right, boys. Hit me. All right, so to start us off, I'm going to tell a story. It's kind of another story about Visalia. Central Valley. So if you guys want to know what Visalia, or where me and Jordan grew up, um, Central California, Visalia, if you want to hear all about what it's like there, you can listen to our 3 p.m. episode, um, and I'll, I'll give you like a background on that. But just really quick, it's the Central Valley of California, so it's flat, it's hot, it's dangerous, there's gangs um, of all colors. Anyway, so this is a another folklore from the foothills near Visalia. So last time I told you guys about the schoolhouse and how the Indians came and killed all the kids and there was ghost children. If you want to hear that, once again, listen to our other episode. This is another place that high school kids, it became super popular for them to go visit. So this became like the urban legend of my hometown. 
probably one of the biggest ones. If you ask anyone who is my age and older, they'll know about this place. So this is about a place called Peacock Mansion. And Peacock Mansion is this large home. It's a mansion way out in the country. And I believe like a rich family had owned it and it got passed down through a couple generations until it fell into the hands of these two brothers. And these two brothers, uh, they were both like on the spectrum. And one of them was way worse than the other. Uh, so he kind of was his caretaker, right? And they had, the, the legend goes, they started to lose their mind. And one of them, especially one of them taking care of the other, they had no one else to help them. So they started, one of them just took all the money and they started raising peacocks. And they'd show up in the farmer's market in Visalia. They'd have to come in from the countryside and they'd show up at the farmer's market and just try to sell weird stuff. Right? Weird stuff. I think, I think like peacock related things like feathers and art. Sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it just kind of declined and got weirder and weirder until one time they stopped showing up at the farmer's market and no one had heard from them. And it got to the point where they were like, uh, we need to go check on them. So they sent people out there. Turns out the, they don't know who killed who first, but they showed up to the house and both the brothers are dead and all the peacocks are strangled. Damn. So this family owned this land. There's no one that they gave the land to. There's no one that they gave the house to. So the whole estate just goes to the the state or the city. And so no one owns this land. It's immediately, they just put like a foreclosed thing on the front door, right? And then they walk away. And so after a while, word gets out. You can go to this house and you can look in the windows and you can like see their unopened mail. You can see like the last meal they had on the table. There's food in the fridge because they just left this house. So super quick high school kids are like, let's go to this place. (laughs) When was this? I'm going to say late nineties. So let me explain like what it's like to get out there. So last time I explained how hard it is to get to the schoolhouse. You have to go down this road called El Rio road, which is essentially a one lane thing in between two orchards near a river with a ton of meth heads and gangs and white supremacists running around at night. Then you have to go through that. Then you have to go like 30 minutes past there till you get to the schoolhouse. Once you get to the schoolhouse, you have to turn down this dirt path through a junkyard. And it's like half a mile through this junkyard. Then once you get past the junkyard, you get to this river and there is a bridge going over the river and at the bottom of this hill. So that comes to the bottom of this hill at the top of this hill is Peacock mansion. (laughs) So where the the hills have eyes, dude, it is iconically a terrifying place. Like you couldn't make it better. (laughs) So word gets out and this becomes super popular with the high school kids like everyone goes out there right they take their friends 
And it starts getting to the point where people start breaking in. They start taking things from Peacock Mansion. Uh, all of a sudden, there's a ton of graffiti on the walls. A ton of, as Kevin would put it, Satan's star. Um, things like that. <clears throat> and so, this this was super popular to do when my sister, my older sister, was in high school. And this is the same sister who was babysitting the two guys who were, I found out later, not on mushrooms, but on acid which in my, in my opinion is a lot worse, in my opinion. So this is like the same, around the same time that she's going to the, to the Peacock Mansion. So a group of girls decide to go out to Peacock Mansion. I think there's four girls in the car and they decide to drive out. And on the way, it honestly takes like 30, 40 minutes to get out there from Visalia. So on the way, they're listening to the radio, they're laughing they're chatting it gets to the dirt road it gets to el rio it starts getting a little creepier it starts to sprinkle it's getting dark the music stops they stop talking until finally they pull up to the front of the bridge that goes right over the empty ditch which is sometimes a river and they park the car and now it's quiet and all of them are silently looking up at Peacock Mansion. So before, they were all brave. And now they're sitting there. No one's wanting to say it, but no one wants to get out of the car. So as they're sitting there, the rain's coming down. The driver says, you know, do we want to do this? Should we turn around? And I'll, everyone in the back's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not getting out. And the, the road's so narrow, you can't turn around. You have to like back out, right? So as the driver turns on the car, the headlights illuminate the empty ditch and they all see this flash go across the headlights and a woman runs up to the window and starts banging on the driver window and all the girls scream and the lady who knocked on the window is holding a baby in her arms and she, her eyes are wide and she's frantic all of the girls scream. They're terrified. And she says, please, please help me. And her face is white. And she looks genuinely terrified. And she's shaking her baby and looking over her shoulder. Please help me. Let me in the car. I, ne I need to get away. He's coming. And they're all confused and terrified. So like, what? You know, they're trying to make sense of what's happening. And she's banging on the window. Please let me in. He's coming. I need you to take, take me away. He's coming. And all the girls are like in the back are, do not open your door. Cause she's saying, open, open your door. Let me in, let me in. And the girls in the back are like, no, no, just go, go. As she's shaking the baby and looking over her shoulder, she's saying, please, he's coming. He was right behind me. If you don't let me just take my baby, get him away. And she's shaking the baby harder and harder. And the, the driver's like, guys, I don't, I don't know what to do. Maybe we should help her out. We can, and it, maybe we can help her out. And this is before cell phones. So she's shaking the baby and watching, watching him and she starts to roll down her window. And as she rolls down her window, the blanket comes undone. And as soon as there's like two inches crack in the window, she drops the empty blanket and lunges into the window. Oh, no. And the girls all scream. She turns on the car, throws it into reverse, and luckily she backs up without hitting any of the junkyard, all the cars around, until they get to a place where they can turn around and they take off. 
and they just see the lady in her headlights as they're driving back with no baby in a blanket just staring at them in the rearview mirror well they're backing up so they're they're the people in the back are looking at her in the headlights in the rain and she's just standing there like (sighs) just heaving in the rain and so that got that story because that happened when my sister was in high school everyone stopped going they were like hell no and it got to a point where it was so dangerous to go out there so many it was attracting so many people like animal sacrifices were being done in the house there was red paint everywhere and blood everywhere that the city decided to condemn it and right when i got to high school they demolished it so i had grown up hearing about peacock mansion because my sister was during the heyday when those girls were attacked Mm -hmm. and so i had to go out there so i took before they before they actually demolished it it was like a year after they demolished it okay so i go out there i follow her instructions i go through the path i go through the junkyard which was terrifying like you're not even there yet it's a movie set like of a scary movie that's how terrifying it is. hold up are you with people oh yeah i take friends all the time i would not go out there by myself (laughs) just for the record yeah no, no no i would take my friends out there and the last time i took my friends out there we come out of the graveyard we go down the path we get to the river the ditch and the bridge and there's the gate and you can see up the hill you can see the foundation where the house used to be and on the gate is one peacock feather what the? so my friend jumped out of the car and allegedly grabbed the peacock feather and i still have it and that's the story of peacock mansion where's the feather <laughs> uh it's in storage in visalia <laughs> good that's why your house was haunted growing up dude possible oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> it might be dog um question yeah do they have any kind of explanation for that the the woman like did they ever think maybe it was like a meth head or so i'll start with the most probable thing it's a method who is trying to like harm or rob these four girls which is rob, weird probably and in itself terrifying but also if you think about it have you ever heard of la Llorona? yeah it's a white woman who travels near rivers a lot of the times looking for her baby so i'm not saying it was her but it's just really weird all the parallels right true so it's one of the two and both are terrifying so (laughs) so take your pick (laughs) dude that's a good question which one would you take would you take meth head dude i don't know dude i could take a meth head (laughs) if it's some like ghost la la llorona i'm i mean i'd probably still like i could take that i don't know what that is but like yeah i don't know i don't know if i'd rather take like a supernatural or like a real person because both are terrifying my uncle was on the swat team growing up in hawaii and hawaii used to be the meth capital of the world at one point and he was like a high-ranking officer or captain at that time dang so there were a hella drug busts uh during his time uh, in the SWAT team, there was one time I remember coming home from school, and the highway we would take 
getting to school, driving with traffic, 20, 25 minutes. Was your school like on the other side of the island or what? Uh, kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was on the other side of the island a little bit. The highway we would take uh, to go to and from school past this valley. And in the valley, there are housing. And uh, I remember seeing him and a bunch of other SWAT lying down on the road, looking into the valley with snipers. Oh, my God. Just wild. <laughs> So you drove by that or you just, yeah, I drove by that. It was like they, it was a four lane road, two for each side. They closed off one lane. So traffic got pretty slow. Um, so everything was throttled into that one lane. And when we passed by, we got to see what was going on. Oh, uncle. And I was like, Oh shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, um, yeah, he told me a story of how they, came in contact with a meth head who was holding this person hostage in the middle of a intersection. Oh my So gosh. they closed off the streets. They had snipers. Everybody was armed. Uh, I think the meth head had a, a gun or a knife. The meth head was armed, but they shot him while he's like holding the hostage while they, oh while he was, God. I think is while he was holding the hostage. At some point, they shot him, but they shot him in the head, and the dude survived. (laughs) Oh, what? They got some type of x-ray. It didn't just show his skull, but like his brain as well. Like show the tissue and stuff? Yeah. And um, when the results came back, um, there were just holes in his head. from chunks taken out? Well, from not from the bullet, but from meth. just eating away at his body that's wild that's crazy so with that said i'd probably still take the meth head (laughs) (laughs) dude reminds me of a story i gotta follow it go ahead so i have a buddy who i met his name was zion and i met him in australia this kid is six seven plus prop dude he's pushing seven feet tall 300 pounds i used to say he was he legit ducked when he came into the doors he looked like a fridge that's how big (laughs) his head was a boulder do you know what i mean homie was huge he's a maori dude (laughs) so he's from new zealand and his whole family is from new zealand and they're all from fungare which is up north and that's a tribe in New Zealand. So the Maoris have seven tribes, families. Mm-hmm. And the one he's from, they're known for being the biggest and the most vicious <laughs> and like the most recent to cannibalism. <laughs> 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 like they gave, they gave it up unwillingly. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't quote me on any of that. But so he's this massive dude. And his uncle was a cop in New Zealand and his uncle told him this story. One time they answered a domestic domestic disturbance call in the middle of the night and the dispatcher said there's an old woman like causing a scene. She's scaring some people and they're like, huh? <laughs> and like, can you describe her? Like, She's tiny. 
she's she's very small and she's like 80 years old but she's she's causing enough of a scene she's scaring a lot of people this is in the middle of the night he's like okay so this is his uncle he said his uncle's like as big as him if not bigger his uncle shows up to the scene and there's this tiny frail wizened old lady in the middle of the street and he said when he saw her chills because she was like like screaming screeching and howling and she was like contorting and her fingers were all like making weird things and her her arms are behind her and she's like making all these weird movements was she naked though (laughs) he didn't say (laughs) i i like to personally think no (laughs) but for you listeners yes she was (laughs) so her titty flapping (laughs) i'm I'm sorry no she was close she's in a nighty a muumuu but she's terrified she's making all these noise so they go up to her and she's heaving and she's like looking side-eyed at them like growling and stuff and they're like ma'am you need to go inside and she like growls at them (laughs) (laughs) and so they're like scared growl back dude (laughs) he's like hits a pukana real quick (laughs) and she laughs just does the haka and then she runs show your dominance (laughs) uh no but uh so they're like, ma'am, you need to go inside. Like, you need to calm down. You need to calm down. And she just is growling and hissing. And he walks up and tries to restrain her. And this old lady lifts him up onto the cop car, up and over the cop car, and through him. And his partner saw that and was like, nope. And they called, like, 15 cops. And they all came and tackled her. Whoa. And she's like, ah! And she did not go down easy. They strapped her in, got her the thing. Into the point where she passes out. And then in the morning, they take her to the station, put her in the cell, and she wakes up. And she's like, what happened? What's going on? What? And they're like, ma'am, do you remember anything from last night? She's like, no, where Where am I? Why am I here? And that's the story. That's where you run up to her like you're going to tackle her again. And then beast mode activates <laughs> you'll get that lady on the all blacks bro <laughs> 15 They're cops like, to take her down have you ever thought of a career in footy <laughs> <laughs> no but it, it's just crazy like you know either drugs or spirits were in her gave her extra strength or both lifted this dude off the ground onto the onto the car <laughs> that's wild dude old old people just scary dude old people and like little kids for some reason it's because they're unseeming like they're not supposed to be my the initial thought was kind of like it's because they're both like closer to the the beginning and the end so like maybe the veil gets a little thinner i don't know maybe maybe seeing that i rolled a 10 that's that puts me next Uh, This story is a little change of pace. It's a story that took place in October of 1962, which, Sean, you're a history buff. October of 1962. Yeah. Halloween happened that month. (laughs) Why Halloween every year? (laughs) Everybody's birthday this year. Um, October of 1962, the Cuban Missile Crisis. 
It's also seven years before the moon landing. So alleged. (laughs) Another podcast. (laughs) Stanley Kubrick, look it up. We're all in a simulation. So October 1962, Cuban Missile Crisis. What do you know about the Cuban Missile Crisis? I saw a movie with um, Kevin Costner. Mm. It has been a while since I've heard anything about it, but I wrote a paper in it when I was in seventh grade. Sean was homeschooled. <laughs> <laughs> Any chance to bring up Sean being homeschooled? <laughs> I'm four. I was also vaccinated. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go out and say it. I School me. I don't know. I don't know either. But... The Cuban Missile Crisis was going on. I don't know too much about it besides that it was a big deal and it was almost World War Three. The U.S. and Russia were, I guess, allegedly conducting nuclear tests. The U.S. wanted to monitor that. And they had an approximation of where Russia was conducting these tests. And it was towards the northwest hemisphere of russia and what they would do is they would send pilots to the north pole because russia would send pilots no the u.s okay would send pilots to the north pole because the wind would carry the radioactive dust towards that direction Mm -hmm. that's one two going into the north pole turns off all radio signals and you can basically fly under the radar it's dangerous because you have no contact with anybody so you can't communicate out and no one can communicate in correct and you can't use your instruments so they specially trained these pilots to learn how to navigate like the old school way like stars and using the stars yes so in this one particular story charles maltzby was the pilot set to go collect these radioactive samples for the U.S. to bring back or to collect these radioactive samples to bring back for the U.S. When flying into the North Pole region, his trip was supposed to take about eight hours. For most of that time, he would not have contact with anybody. That's wild. (laughs) Yeah. Just being out there by yourself. That's like arduous. Mm-hmm. So he goes. Unfortunately, Aurora Borealis, the northern lights, blocked his vision from the stars. So he got lost. And he had no idea where he was, which way he should fly. Because if he flew into Russia airspace, mm-hmm. Russian airspace, yeah, that very well could have triggered the war or a war so he just flew he he didn't know where (laughs) he he was just he just flew um after some time of flying blind uh, he started hearing some static on his radio and he heard a voice tell him to turn 10 degrees to the left so just a random voice comes through just a random voice saying turn 10 degrees to the left turn 10 degrees left exactly 
I don't know if I'm following that. But, like, what's your option? He decides to follow. He has a gut feeling that he should follow that. He feels good about it. So he turns. And then the voice disappears. So he's flying blind again. He he turns his plane, and then that's it. So he just keeps flying straight, I guess. Um, Not too long after, he hears a static again, and another voice comes and says, turn 30 degrees to the right. He doesn't feel good about this one, so he keeps flying straight, and that one turns off, and he doesn't hear it again. This happens two more times. The next one, so the third time, sounds like the first and says, all right, turn 15 more degrees to the left. And he does. And the final time, the fourth voice, well, second voice. So there's two distinct voices. Yeah, two voices. Um, the fourth time the radio comes on, it's the second voice. It says, turn 35 to the right. He doesn't listen. He trusts the first voice. Damn. And he flies. In the distance, he sees two planes flying at him. And he hears Russian music start playing from his radio. Oh, it's like, what? Just like everywhere around him? (laughs) (laughs) And he sees these two planes. As they get closer, he just flies straight. As they get closer, they fly past him. And he, he sees them. He watches them. Right when they pass him, they're turning around. Oh, gosh. And then they fly up right next to him. And they radio in. And it's the U.S. Oh. And they guide him back home. And that's the story of Charles Maltzby. It's a true story. You can look it up online. But that was in the middle of the Cuban Missile Crisis. And... If Russia confirmed that that was the U.S. That would have been World War III. It could have been. They were all conducting nuclear tests for war. So That's intense. Dude, you don't have more on the voices? (laughs) I want to know so bad. (laughs) That and the music got me, dude. That's so creepy. And it's crazy because being in that situation so remote there's no one that can help you mm-hmm. and you hear some voice dude <laughs> talk about trusting your gut feeling you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah it's it's so weird none of us not a lot of people know about that but so much road on that if you would have chose the second voice you know we could be speaking russian comrade <laughs> do you know what I mean? Stars you know and I mean? stripes, hammers and sickles. I, we'd all be singing. Dude, that's wild. I like that. Yeah. That pe- that time period is peak spy time. True. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, when I think about it, so like romantically, almost, where it's like I romanticize it. Yeah, I wish I was a part of it. There was things <laughs> like, did you ever hear those stories where um, they found Russian microphones in the U.S. embassy because they weighed all of their printers? 
and one of the printers was like 0.00001 grams heavier and they took it apart and they saw it was scanning everything they were like writing oh and like transmitting gosh. it so everything they printed through that printer was like being sent back to russia there's just like a, all that little stuff is so cool to me that's so crazy that's wild i know it's just a movie but have you seen a man from uncle oh great. Dude, it's I love so it. good <laughs> i love that movie the music is so good too mm-hmm. and just to think about that era like it, it's basically it's a it's an american spy and a russian spy and at the time we're enemies you know both countries are enemies but they have to work together towards something that they both need but throughout the whole movie like they'll find each other's like microphones in their hotel room <laughs> and stuff just bugging each other but that's wild dude dude i have a, i have a really short story um that reminds me a little bit of like a point i'm wanting to make is like when you see something or experience something mm. and you can't explain it or like this 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 uh thing you just told us about charles mosby or whatever his name was charles baracus i don't know charles barkley you just can't explain it right it's it's, it's crazy cool. yeah i had a cousin who was hiking with like several people from his church when he was young he's like 12 and his leader the guy who was chaperoning the the trip mm. super well respected guy in the community so when my cousin told me the story everyone in the room was like wait he was there and he was like yeah and they were like oh then i 100 percent believe this so they're hiking and they get to the coast at night the coast of oregon and he said they all sat down at this table and they're just looking out over the water and this is the middle of nowhere and as they're staring out in the middle of the sea he said an aircraft a flying object comes from the right it's perfectly shaped like a saucer with blue right blue lights all around the rim he said it came out silently into the middle of their vision over the middle of the ocean and they all just sat there in silence and stared at this thing and then it went and took off faster than anything can move and they all saw this there was like seven of them including like the well-respected guy so i asked him i was like what what do you think that was is that the government is that aliens or did you see an alien he's like i have no idea and you just you don't get answers dude it's crazy uh i have a couple friends actually who last summer they were all hanging out um and uh, these two girls they live in an apartment complex behind me so uh, we're frequently hanging out with them they're talking to me about how last summer they're hanging out with a couple friends just about a block away from us hanging out um in this grassy area um outside of uh, their friend's apartment complex and it's nighttime and across the street uh, right above this big tree they see a bunch of orbs of light that's how they described it just orbs of light floating above the tree made no noise like they would have known if it was a drone or something like that but just silent and it just hung above the tree it was maybe about i don't know 40 feet off the ground and that lasted a few minutes and then it flew off super fast and just disappeared but they had no idea what it was it's like these things happen and you have no answers 
no explanation that's frustrating no answers no explanation it's like how are you supposed to tell people like me telling it is frustrating right now because <laughs> yeah it's like how do you believe that but you saw it you know mm-hmm. were either of you guys in utah already um it was a couple of years ago when like a satellite or some space trash like came into the atmosphere and it was like coming down across the sky and i don't looked, think so it looked crazy that sounds familiar actually it was like so i was like playing basketball outside with my brother tom and we see it going across the sky and it was like in several chunks just like streaking across the sky and light with like light there were like people around us like oh look at the fireworks i'm like that's not fireworks <laughs> you're stupid you've seen fireworks <laughs> But we're, like, trying to figure out what it was. We didn't find out till the next day it was, quote-unquote, a satellite or a space trash, allegedly. But it was really weird looking at it, and that was the explanation that came to light. That's crazy. Well, uh, I rolled a nine, so I'm going to tell a story real quick. <laughs> Do it's your a, thing. So I heard this story today, actually. I was asking one of my friends at work. He's like, he sat down on his break and I was like, bro, you got any scary stories about like you or a friend? And he's like, yeah, I have one for me. I was like, Ooh, this is going to be good. <laughs> and I was like, I, I pulled up a chair right next to him. I was like, here, tell me, tell me what's, what it is. And so he uh, says, well, you know what a Ouija board is, right? And I was like, do I know uh, what a Ouija board is? What's that? <laughs> And to kind of preface this, um, when it's almost like insulting. <laughs> it's like, yes, you dick. <laughs> I'm an American person. <laughs> um, he's saying, like, in high school, it was him and a bunch of friends. They bought like a legitimate Ouija board from like a pawn shop or something. It wasn't like one of those Target ones. And they're playing down in the basement. Oh gosh! <laughs> of course. His curfew at the time was 11 o'clock. So they're playing with this Ouija board, just messing around. Gets to the time where he's got to leave, and he's like, okay, I got to go. And he gets up, and he leaves. And, of course, one of the rules of the Ouija board is you have to say goodbye. And at that point, he said he gets home. His friend calls him, and he's like, bro, the Ouija board said to come back. And he's like, no, that's, that's not real. And... I just legit got chills. Dude, yeah, I'm getting chills telling the story right now. Uh, And at this point, he he looks at me, he's like, like, I don't know if I believe in any of this stuff. It could have been complete coincidence. I was like, what happened? He said, the next day, I uh, wake up and go about, like, start doing stuff, and then I pass out. And, like, I can't breathe. His parents take him to the hospital, and, like, the doctor's come in and they like jab him in the side of his like torso like through his ribs or what like through his ribs because 90 percent of his lungs were like compressed and he couldn't breathe they collapsed like they weren't collapsed but it was like compressed is what he said so they like Mm. poked a hole through his ribs so he could breathe damn he's breathing out that side straw yeah and then like Ultimately, he gets better. About a week later, his friend that told him that the Ouija board said to come back said, we didn't want to tell you, but after that, it said, watch out. 
And he was like, I don't know if I believe that. It could have been just complete coincidence. I don't know what caused that, but that's what happened. And I was like, that's freaking gnarly, bro. That's wild. (laughs) In those situations, it's hard not to connect the dots. It's true. It could be coincidence. Because I feel like it's human nature to want to make sense of things Hmm. and to understand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when when those are the pieces that you're given Mm -hmm. and there's nothing else, it's like, well, that makes sense. Yeah, this makes sense, but... Isn't it like Schrodinger's Law or something? It's like the most simple answer is usually the right one or something like that? I don't know, that, that's, I don't know if that's Schrodinger. But, but you got to like think like what sparked the don't let the black cat cross your path, you know? Someone probably had a black cat cross his path and then something terrible happened. You know what I mean? Mm. And then it you connect the dots. Have you guys ever played with a Ouija board? I have not. I know you have though. So I have, <clears throat> I have once when I was like 12, but this one was glow in the dark and it was like trash. And the whole time I was just scaring my friend. So we like lit candles in his bathroom because it was like the only room in the house that didn't have 20 windows. So just was, you two. Yeah. So it was pitch black and we set this thing up and he starts a- asking questions and i'm just going around and i'm spelling names and i'm spelling die and stuff and he is freaking out dog he is scared and i was like okay i gotta go and he's like you can't leave dude you can't i remember he asked like if anyone was there and i spelled the word dan and he said like what are you doing and i spelled the word die (laughs) and he was tripping (laughs) fast forward 20 years uh, I decided I would never play with one, but I have a friend who you guys all know who for some sick, gross reason desperately wants to play with the Ouija board. <laughs> it's Kevin. <laughs> Not Kevin from last episode. Kevin from last yeah, episode. Kevin from last episode. Kevin from last episode. Damn. Yeah. Or two episodes ago. Either or. Either way. Yeah goodness yeah so he bought one we bought like 200 candles <laughs> we lit them all we set up a table in the middle of the room and i was like hey I, I was like i won't help you but i'll film it and he's like okay and I, he sets it all up and he looks at me he's like do you know what to do or he's uh, he goes do you know what to do <laughs> just kidding sorry Kevin. <laughs> and i was like no and i was like just wing it like go with whatever feels right so he does all this stuff he starts specifically calling out people like yo if you're here do this he starts um like taunting them he leaves the planchette on the board and walks away then he like doesn't he doesn't clear anyway he does all this stuff and then i was like maybe we should look up like how you should do this <laughs> so we google it and start reading list there's a list of like 20 things you should never do with the ouija board he broke every one <laughs> and i was like kevin you're gonna die dude you <laughs> broke every rule <laughs> in our apartment yeah this is also when jordan walked out of his room and he just walked into this scene 200 candles <laughs> i think we drew stuff like on the ground uh and then he was just like what the hell is going on <laughs> didn't you guys walk into a basement of an abandoned building and have video of finding a Ouija board broken. Oh no wrong. It was 
an aban it was the basement of an abandoned mm, jail was it a jail or a mental facility it was a basement of an abandoned mental facility for criminally um insane people why are all the asylums abandoned actually i dude don't this is pulling out of my butt so don't quote me on this but during the nixon era a ton of mental facilities were closed and so like i i heard about that on another podcast but they talk about how they just started turning people away turning people out and these are like schizophrenic crazy people um so it could be a part of that but there is this abandoned mental institution halfway between provo and springville springville utah and you can't it's it's kind of hard to see it's like not on the main road you have to like go up this hill but you can go into it and we went into it and we explored it and it was like the bottom levels the basements were all flooded there was one dark room where someone had burnt something and there was just blood all up the wall and then a blood trail out the wall up the stairs it was it was crazy and you followed that of (laughs) course but it but it, it stopped eventually like we couldn't find the droplets it's above you (sighs) <sighs> did you look above you just some ghoul hanging from the ceiling and y'all went at night too well yeah of course we, <laughs> we get to this like main room that kind of looked like the facility and on this table is a torn in half ouija board and so my thought is like when i had my experience with the ouija board and the voice inside of me told me to get rid of it and all other evil in my life if you want to listen to that story, I think it's like number one or two. When I saw the board, I just felt like inside of me, someone had a terrible experience with this board and they destroyed it and like got rid of it. I don't know. And you have a video of that, don't you? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look. I, I do. It's my, on one of my hard drives. Bro, I was going to touch it. I was like, yeah, I heard somebody was going to touch it. That was you. Did I grab you and pull yeah, you away? Of course. It's going to, what are the odds? Somebody to touch it. Oh, hell <laughs> not out. Yeah. If we find that video, we got to put that up. For the Sorry. People. I don't necessarily believe in Ouija boards, but I do believe in devices or ceremonies or rituals to attract spirits. And we talked about that previously. Like, inanimate objects like they can't act for themselves until someone with a conscience and can make decisions like us like puts power into it puts power into it you know like right now i'm moving this mason jar so i i am somewhat confident that people can perform rituals like you were saying to call down some type of power which can then put itself on these objects such as a Ouija board. Yeah. That's my opinion, but I, we kind of said it last time. Like if you're like us and you love scary stories, you've always loved scary movies, things like that. Um, just be careful on the paths you go down. Cause there was points in my life where I was f- like thirsting after scary things. And you kind of notice a shadow and it grows. So if, if you're like us and you're, you know, you find yourself just constantly taking in negative dark things, 
like I said last time, just check yourself, you know, clear the air, put some light into that dark, you know what I mean? Some would say check yourself before you wreck yourself. Mm. Mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln, the vampire slayer said that. And that man was a, uh, a Albert Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> Alberto Einstein. Einstein, yo. <laughs> Einstein. Gesaffelstein. Cool. Hey, thanks for listening. If you have any scary stories that you'd like us to share, send them to 3am podcast stories at gmail.com and we may be able to read those on here. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight cisgender white men and the victims of true crime are not a monolith either she's wendy and i'm beth and together we host fruit loops serial killers of color a true crime podcast Together, we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Sean McCabe. And I'm Carrie McCabe. We are, well, married, obviously, (laughs) but we're also obsessed with the darker side of things. True crime stories, alien abductions, poltergeists. If it leaves you scratching your head and keeping those lights on at night, we want to hear about it. That's why we host the podcast Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Every week, we bring our listeners a true story guaranteed to send chills down your spine, from history's most brutal serial killers to the mystery of spontaneous human combustion. Yep, lots of these stories leave unanswered questions behind, and you'll get to poke through the rubble of the evidence with a hardened skeptic and... Someone whose mind is more open to fun. Yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. You can find Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie wherever you get your podcasts, and on social media at Ain't It Scary. Come play with us.